Then I landed in a place that was solid. It still had this sort of other side feel to it, but it was a facility. It was a room. There was indirect lighting there. Uh, there was equipment, gurneys and tables. And right in front of me, there were these three short little hooded guys. And they were about four foot tall and they had on these dark robes with a hood and they were overjoyed to see me and they were giggling and bouncing around they were bumping into each other and i was just in a state of amazement my guest today is bill letson who's a former firefighter who had a near-death experience after he contracted the flu Bill, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Rod. It's my pleasure. It's quite an honor to be interviewed from Australia. All right. Is it your first time somebody from Australia has interviewed you? I think so. Oh, cool. Well, I'm I'm glad to be the first. I guess there's not many people who do what I do, at least not at this stage. I imagine in five years' time, there'll probably be loads of us. There will be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so well, how about you give us a little bit of your background growing up, because I'm always interested in that, and then tell us about your NDE. Yeah, I grew up here in California, a little town, played sports, and got interested in the fire department for when I was about 18. And once I got on a fire crew at 19 years old, and you get out there, and, that, and it's real thrilling for a teenager, and I just fell in love with it, never looked back. And I was with the Forest Service, U.S. Forest Service, for 10 years and did all that stuff, helicopters and backcountry ranger and engines and hotshots, and got on with Santa Barbara County full-time when I was my late 20s. And I retired 35 years. I retired in 2010. And, yeah, it's a wonderful life here. 35 years, that's a long time to have the same occupation. And you always enjoyed turning up to work every day? I loved every shift. I would have done it for free. <laughs> yeah, it had everything. It was exciting and it was dangerous. And when you were helping people, and I didn't really realize how powerful that was till I was in my 30s, because, you know, I was a young guy. And I started realizing that it really hit me in the heart when you cut an old guy out of a car or something. It, it was like you go to bed at night going, man, this is... It's a crazy job. You really, you can really affect people's lives. When you're doing something that can really affect people like that, I guess you can sort of take it for granted because you're all doing the same thing. Everybody in your team, everybody you work with is all doing the same thing. And then occasionally an event occurs where you, you kind of go, whoa, <laughs> we just did that. Yeah, we just did it. And sometimes you'd, about two, every two or three years, you'd get burned over or electrocuted or something. And that's just the nature of firefighters. It's hazardous. I remember a couple of times a family would say, you, you landed hard in that helicopter. People got hurt. And it's like, well, it's worth it. We were doing something cool. We were backcountry rescue. And so, yeah, it's a great job. Yeah, we were talk when we were talking off air, so my parents, well, my dad's like 72, 73 now, and he's a volunteer firefighter. So he kind of manages and coordinates the local, all the fire brigades around the, the county, I guess, in, in your terms. And you're talking about burned over. Yeah, he got burned over once. So he was out, we call them utes here, in his truck. And he had water on the back. And there's a lot of tall trees. And it was a really windy day. And just the wind, like, reversed, came the other way. And by the time they'd, like, radioed what was going on, he was like, I, I, I'm blocked. Like, I can't get out of it. That'd be a pretty scary moment. I imagine that's probably happened to you as well. Obviously, he survived, but he, he had to go right over. Went straight over the top of his truck. 
Yeah, yeah. I've been in a few of those. A couple of them are written up there in the guys behind us in another truck didn't survive and there was a few of those in my career and but I a couple of times I was like man I'm never going to make it to retirement at this at this rate but I did I was kind of surprised and but looking back it was all of it was worth it I'm glad I hung in there yeah all right so well obviously your your ND occurred at some point during your career I only get stuck into that yeah, it was 1994. I was working in Santa Barbara on a paramedic engine and I was the driver, the engineer. And we had a four-man crew, a couple of paramedics and captain and me. And we were running calls. It was a typical flu season, but it was a powerful flu. And we went to a patient and I got exposed to her. We were uh, getting her into the hospital. And I took a deep breath of her breath and a few days later I was super ill and things were fading fast one couple of days into it I, I just couldn't I couldn't get ahead of what the flu was doing to me and I was dehydrated my blood pressure was dropping out my pulse was racing when those two start going different directions that means your body's trying to compensate for not having enough blood circulating. And I figured it out, sort of, and I called for help. And eventually the, my fire department showed up, got me in an ambulance, it got some IVs in me. And by the time I got to the hospital, they put me in a room, in the emergency room. And the place was full of kids and full of adults. All this flu was really <clears throat> going hard on the community. And they were trying to get ahead of all the people coming in because they couldn't see them. So they were they just kind of broadcast, prescribed this something for pain and something for nausea. And when the nurse came in, she put it in really fast and I just keeled over. You're supposed to count those things in. But it wasn't, I mean, I never felt anything. I was never mad about that or anything because it led to this event and it was it's a really life-changing event. When those things happen to you, you have to realize that um, you're not really in charge of this life. It's kind of a scripted thing, and you're going to have these challenges, and you just roll with them. And that, that's kind of how I looked at that. And so my wife was there, and I just tanked. Um, my blood pressure just went all the way out. I mean, I came in there on my knees with a low blood pressure, and that just dropped it. Um, the painkiller med was a vasodilator. It opens up all your vessels. So my, mm. there was no more, there was no more pressure. There was no more volume to get the perfusion. And so, so I was out cold and they couldn't get me back. My wife was there and she told me all this and she was writing things down. And she said they narcan you immediately. And she wrote it down three times. They Narcan you at like five minute, 10 minute intervals. And they couldn't get you back. They, the, the highest blood pressure she heard was 40 over zero. Whoa. And yeah, that's barely hanging on. Yeah. You and I were talking about the athletic stuff before we uh, came on. And I was, at that time, I was doing Ironmans, one of those n nutty guys that swims before work and runs at lunch and cycles on his yeah, days off. That's not cool. And I was just, and they said that you had such an efficient system. It's probably why you survived because the vitals were just tanked. 
and and they shipped me up to intensive care and put a bunch of monitoring stuff on me and oxygen and fluids and head down type stuff and hoped for the best. And it was about 3.30 in the afternoon when all this happened. And somewhere in the middle of the night, as far as I can recollect, somewhere in the middle of the night, I left my body and I was no longer Bill. And I was flying through this sea of stars and they were these beautiful colored orbs and they had all different colors and energy and tones and radiating all of this welcoming this love and acceptance and joy and as i was coming into the realization of that i was this that i'd been let out of this hot stuffy dark closet and that i was this huge expanded cloud of some sort it seemed like i went on forever and but i was still me i wasn't bill but the voice in your head that narrates your day and tells you who, i was still me that was a seamless transition i was still me but i wasn't a human being and and the first thing i thought was man what was that that was rough what i meant by that was this human this time as a human that was i was just really startled that it was such rough duty and i was really happy to be free of that and i was as i was flying along once that cleared i the thing that was going on in my head was how in the world did i forget who i really was how is it possible that i believed i was this guy this dude who had all these problems what his opinion on this and that was and who was cool and who wasn't and you know what the future was going to hold for him all of that stuff and i was deep into it and all of that stuff was an illusion it was a game that we play here it's like a trick or almost a joke and not downplaying anybody's importance in life but it's almost a joke we play on ourselves to see how close we can get to figuring out who we really are. I think that is the end goal. We figure out who we really are and then we navigate that the other side when we first when we die and we first leave our bodies and we're not in a, a state of confusion or a fit of uncertainty as uh, Tom Campbell puts it. I think that's well put. Um because we, you know, it's a mental universe and once we start down some road some thought road we're creators we're creating confusion we're creating things that trip us up so yeah it's a, the whole thing i think is to keep our wits about us when we transition back so i was flying along and i was just absolutely stoked it was like all of my cells were being tickled and like i was everything every atom was like giggling that was like a <laughs> cool breeze blowing through everything and honey was being poured over my head and everything was just it was just lit up it was euphoria and i've uh unashamed 
to say that from the, every time I've told the story, I've used the word, the words cosmic orgasm. And that is exactly what it felt. Not a, not the way we understand it here, but just this incredible, joyful, overpowering euphoria. So I was flying along and I was loving all of it. And I said, this is awesome. I'm home. And you know, there, if I thought about something, it was immediate, like the old microfish, you'd go to the library and you'd spin that microfish and you'd see pages. Like if you were looking at a math book or something, you'd see formulas, you'd see calculations, you'd see geometry. And those things we hear about the Akashic records and it's like this universal mind and everything is available to us instantly. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but I just saw diagrams and formulas and lots of math just coming at me in like pages and going past. And you can't bring any of that back, at least certainly not a fireman. <laughs> but <laughs> so I was flying along thinking, this is awesome. I'm back to who I was. I'm out of that. Whatever I signed up for, that gig, that trick that I was involved in. And then I landed in a place that was solid. It still had this sort of other side feel to it, but it was, it was a facility. It was a room. There was indirect lighting there. Uh, there was equipment, gurneys and tables. And right in front of me, there were these three short little hooded guys. And they were about four foot tall and they had on these dark robes with a hood. And they were overjoyed to see me and they were giggling and bouncing around. They were bumping into each other. And I was just in a state of amazement. And so I was just looking at them, whatever that means. But a lot of people say, well, you didn't have eyes. Well, no, I didn't have eyes, but I was looking at things and Did they have faces. You know, I was yeah, they had faces. They were smiling and the faces were these kind of these frumpy kind of like a stovepipe that's been crunched down. They had these layers. They had big smiles and these guys were super joyful and playful and they were confident. They knew who they were. They knew who I was. And one of them came forward and looked me up and down because I was very confused. I was just like, what's going on now? I just got used to that other place. And um, he came and looked me up and down. And then he turned to the other ones and he said, he doesn't remember us. And they all started giggling uproariously and bouncing around and, you know, slapping each other on the back. And I was really confused. And I was like, well, guys, I, you know, no offense, but I kind of remember you. But this is, this is a very strange place for me. I, I wasn't afraid at all. I was, I felt completely safe and loved and more so than walking downtown in Los Angeles. They sound like And Ewoks. they were very strange. Sorry, they, Pardon they, me? they sound like Ewoks. You know, the Ewoks in Star Wars, the little jolly guys, fairy guys that are about three feet tall, bouncing around. <laughs> That's what they sound like. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's a, a lot of that. And I say that often that they're in our media, in our mainstream movies and song lyrics and TV shows and songs. 
and books and stuff, there are a lot of references to this divine side of us that we don't know anything about. We have heard these stories of religion and science and history and popular culture. And the vast majority of us believe we have all the answers. And those stories are coming to us on screens. And, you know, those screens, when we look at something with our eyes, it goes straight into our um, subconscious. That's sort of how the universe communicates. People say they see their life review and they see these screens. And so it's, yeah, it's a very powerful uh, story that we get. Um, and, and and it's all, it's not a conspiracy or anything. It's all cool. It, we signed up for it. This is the most difficult time in the great year, the 24,000 year cycle. This We're coming out of it right now. And this is the hardest time to be alive because it's everything's so confusing but the messages are there just like the Ewoks and the Munchkins and in that movie Communion Christopher Walken is he's in some sort of a facility and he's bouncing around with these guys and they those guys that are in that movie they looked exactly like the guys I saw right exactly and that's that's supposed to be a horror movie and <clears throat> people get fearful. But if you watch that movie and turn the sound off and watch those guys, they're cool. They're high-fiving Christopher Walken and there's children in that facility and they're playing with them, looking after them. And these guys are dancing around and everything's very playful and joyful. And that's exactly what I saw. It's exactly what I experienced. So yeah, the, uh, the universe is nothing to be fearful of, but we come here into this this earth realm, this earth plane for the fear lessons. And we're supposed to get control of that. No matter how confounding it can be, we're supposed to get control of it and move on knowing what we really are and without fear. So there was another guy there. And so these guys were fun and I bounced around with them. And then in the background, there was this tall guy. He was this tall, I call him the tall wispy guy because he was like he was made out of vapor or smoke or like a spinning liquid. And if you put, you take a glass of water and spin it really fast and then you have that whirlpool and that's what he looked like. I've called him a Gumby. It looked like I was looking at somebody underwater and he was this spinning, wispy dude. Had a big smile on his face. And when he came forward, he separated. Like, part of the whirlpool pulled off the top, and then the rest of it caught up. His legs caught up, or his arms caught up. And it came back together, and he was like this wispy, moving guy. And obviously, he was the man in that environment. And without being the man. There wasn't any power to him or anything like that. And, but he had this incredible power of love. And when he came towards me with this big smile, big eyes open and chuckling the whole way as he came close, and you could tell he was just stoked to see me drop in. And as he got closer, my chest just felt like it was being over pumped like a tire and 
my throat clamped down and I felt like I was going to fall to my knees and break down in uncontrollable crying from love. There was so much love coming from this being that it was paralyzing. It was overwhelming. And he came closer and we had some sort of exchanges. And every time I said anything, anytime I thought of speaking and I spoke from our position of understanding communication, whenever I said anything, he just had this chuckle over and over. And I could feel his chuckle inside of me. And at one point I said, there wasn't much going on. The little guys were bouncing around and they were giggling and very playful and joyful. And me being this fireman, you got policies and guidelines and you get to work type of thing. And, and he was just chuckling at them and he was chuckling at me because I was starting to try to take over. And I think what was so funny was I just arrived and I was just this, like this toddler, like some sort of copy of him where there's thousands of copies of him. And I was just considered a cosmic toddler and I was trying to make suggestions. And one of them was, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to Bill. <laughs> That's absolutely non-negotiable. <laughs> and I go, so with That's that. That's funnel. <laughs> that's what I was like a little two-year-old with his hands on his hips. And I said, so are we going to, what's next? Should, do we do a review of my life? Are we going to go through that? And cause I was thinking I, I need to move on. I got a taste of that limitless world in the stars and the orbs, absolutely limitless, absolutely infinite. And so I wanted to get out of that facility and get to it. And so I said, you guys want to, you guys want to start with that? You want to start with the review of my life? And he just cracked up. He thought that was hysterical, that the little toddler was going to run things. But he was cool. And he said, yeah, sure, sure, little toddler. How do you want to start? And I said, okay. So I started telling some stories about things that I wish I'd done differently. No big regrets. Just there weren't any, it wasn't anything really that big. I was just trying to fill it in and check this box so I could move on. And I talked about my wife and how when we came out of college, I got offered this park service job out on an island. And we were going to be, it was like an hour helicopter ride off the coast. And we're going to be on this island and we're going to manage the foxes and some groups would come out once every few weeks. We give them a tour, some professors or something. And other than that, we were on our own to look after the, there was a little cottage out on this San Miguel Island. And, and she wanted that. She's never ever said anything, but she said, Oh, we really should take this job. It's when are we going to get a chance to live on an Island by ourselves? And I was like, yeah, that sounds kind of boring. You know, we were in our 20s and I wanted I wanted more excitement. I'd been on a Hellashot cruise and 
that country stuff. And it's exciting. The camaraderie's there with all the guys and stuff. And I, I loved it. And so I took a fire job. But she's never really lobbied for anything. But she did want to do that. And I, so I brought it up and I talked about it a little bit. And I brought up a couple of other things. And then right in the middle of some rap I was working on, he just goes, okay, that's enough. And he stepped forward like a father. Playtime's over. And he said, time to go back. And that just, that shocked me. I was like, what? Go back? There's no way. I'm not going back there. You got to be kidding. And he goes, no, you got to go back. You got things to do and they're important. I tried several times. And at one point I said, no, you guys don't understand. That place is gnarly. <laughs> it's super hard. And I've had an ch absolutely charmed life. It, you can tell. The ball has bounced my way every time with career and education and parents and family. It's and I'm absolutely grateful and appreciate all of it. But that was from the other side, looking back at this place, the burden that we carry with those emotions that don't exist, those low vibe emotions like jealousy and anger. And we're all capable of it. We can all get there. And it's a devastating feeling compared to what is really going on in the universe, that it is just this pure love sort of existence, fun. And you don't have to earn it. You already are it. So I tried a few more things. I told him, look, I'm almost 38 or I'm almost 40. I was 38 at the time. I'm almost 40 and I, I don't really have any more to contribute. I'm pretty much just this burned over guy. I'll be an old guy soon. And he laughed at everything I tried. Just thought it was hysterical. And I told him that I got lots of friends, but they'll be fine. They'll think of me, but they won't be harmed by my demise. But my parents and my wife, they're going to hurt for a couple weeks, but they'll come through it. They're strong people. And he thought that was real funny. And he said, all right, that's enough. Come on, you're, you're going back. And he came towards me and it was obvious that we think we have this free will and things like that. And, and we don't, we are at the, um, we have complete power over us, what dimension we're in, where we're going. And it's best to just get on their page and do, do your thing here. So, yeah, he, so he came forward, and I felt everything just breaking up. I felt the room coming apart, and I felt a sinking feeling, like a, a lower vibration, a lower frequency. Felt like I was dropping away, and he just sort of dissolved in front of me, spun away into nothing, and I dropped away into darkness. And when I got down near my body, I was in this place... I knew I was close to my body and I was in this place that was dark and lonely and dismal and you didn't want to, absolutely did not want to be there. And 
a lot of people ask me, you, you think that was hell or, and it, it could have been that, yeah, there is a realm directly next to us where it's a realm of low vibrations where people who don't do too well in this life, they're stuck. We call them ghosts and spirits and things like that. They're confused. And I think it could be that that realm was devastating. And, but it was also, I think, cause I knew I was near my body. And I think when we reintegrate with the body who has that ability to hold those low vibrations, that it's just like, a, it's like a dropping a ton of rocks on you with, um, energetically it's, and that's why a lot of NDEers, if you, when they wake up, they're pissed, yeah. you know, some of them are yelling, how, what do you, what did you do? Send me back. And also when a baby's born, they come into this world crying. Yeah. They're pretty pissed too, aren't they? <laughs> I never they're pissed. <laughs> yeah. They're pissed. It's, and these are eternal souls that with incredible intelligence and that soul is speaking through that baby. It's the first words is like. God dang it, I'm in this place, it's rough. So yeah, I was back in my body and it was, and the machines were taking my blood pressure and stuff, so they'd wake me up and I'd look at the numbers and I watched them, the vitals climb, the numbers were lit in the dark and I was watching it climb and climb and pretty soon I could stay awake. And it was probably around four or something when I came back and it was probably 5.30 or six. And I kind of was sitting up a little bit and saying, okay, I. I'm back here and the nurse came by and it's like, she was just like shocked. She's like, you're awake. And I'm like, yes, I am. I need to talk to you. And she said, well, I need to go tell a doctor. You've been special project all night. We didn't know if you were coming back. We didn't know what, how you got this far gone. And I said, okay, that's great. You can go get the doctor and we can all talk about it. Well, first, what am I doing back here? I was that pissed. And I told her I was home. I was with my best friends I've known forever. How is it that I got back here? I was dead. I had bought the farm. I was sure of it. And she had put her hands on my shoulders and she said, honey, you've been in escrow, but you've fallen out of escrow. <laughs> and now you're back with us. And you're going to have to get your head around that. And I've talked to people, channels and mediums. Mediums are really good for me to talk to because they're in that world all the time. They know exactly. And a lot of them call me and say, you're describing this, the other side, past the veil, exactly what I've moved in since I was a child. And so this medium, I met her and had lunch with her. And she said, that was the most powerful thing that could have happened to you because she grounded you. That nurse told you, you're back in your body and there's nothing you're going to do about it. So get your head around it. Mm -hmm. And some really powerful, awesome people in the years, they'll go through years of depression. Some of them will find addiction because coming into this world is a shocker. It's a tough one. And so, yeah, if you do go through something like that and eventually you'll get with the uh, yogis or the spiritual teacher or something. And they'll come up with the phrase, chop wood and carry water, which means 
get up every day and do the daily things to keep your life going. Get your head in, in your work, in your life, and keep it going because you're on a, a journey. You're on a mission from the other side and make them proud. Make the higher vibrational cho- choices. And this is a wonderful gift this life is. And it's going to be full of challenges, but face them. And we came to, to learn from our challenges. So the doctor showed up and the guys in the fire department showed up. My family showed up and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. you guys need to understand this. We don't know what we're doing here. It's, it is a wonderful, almost a cartoon world on the other side. And it's all joyful. And I got the kook label pretty fast. Yeah. And they were like, how much fentanyl what? did they give to Bill? Can you, did you check the dose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I learned to dummy up and fit in and it worked out okay but I always knew that it was real and if I was in a bookstore I tiptoe into the woo-woo section and look for something that might give me some answers and uh, the Eckhart Tolle books were good and and there's this woman who wrote my stroke of insight Jill Bolte Taylor and she was a brain specialist for Harvard and she had a stroke and she said when she had her stroke that she was in both worlds and floating between both worlds and when i said that i was let out of a hot dark closet and i was this huge expanded cloud balloon flying through space and she said i felt like i was a genie released from her bottle and i was this euphoric whale flying through a sea of ecstasy and i'm like okay this is real so so yeah that's my story and i dummied up till 2010 and then i retired and around 2012 that was a that was a powerful energetic year for the whole planet this whole supposed to be the end of the world but it was actually the beginning of a new type of human that's going to be more energetic. And that's what we see right now. The energy of the planet is going up. That's why the fires burn hotter. If you gaze at the sun, don't do that because it's dangerous. But if you did it, first thing in the morning, when it first comes, there are color codes and it's pulsing wildly. And the the thing with global warming, it's a the frequency of the planet is going up. Just like you're turning the heat up on a pot of water, it's Things are more active and things are more active spiritually and a lot to people. Well, last year and a half has been incredible with the podcast interest and it's fun to watch. It's for real that there's a divine hand in our material world and we're going places and it's super exciting. You just reminded me that it was like March, I think, and I saw, I I can't even remember the exact event. I saw... It wasn't the first time I'd seen an NDE testimonial, but immediate, the immediate thought was, oh, I've got to do that. I was like, what? I wasn't even doing anything like that. <laughs> I mean, I, but I had an interest in it like since I was a child, right? I thought, yeah, I've got to do that. My wife thinks she still thinks I'm crazy. But yeah, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I've got dozens of these interviews. And every time I make eye contact with you guys, usually before we start, and I say, what do you, how, how'd you get into this? And 
every one of them have a story like that mm. where I just suddenly felt this was what I need to do. And I tried, there's a lot of people in Hollywood making movies and stuff, documentaries. And, and I, one of, one time I was doing this thing and I got these guys and I said, all right, come on, level with me. Is there some guy in the area that's organizing all you guys, some producer, somebody. And they're like, no, all of them are. So it's not a, some conspiracy theory or something. It, mm. If it, it's a conspiracy from the divine to enlighten humanity. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and if there was like, if if there was even a hint of somebody like trying to tell me you got to do this particular thing, I'd be like, piss off. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do my own thing. Thanks very much. So yeah, I'm like the complete opposite of what they might be looking for. So there was something that you, there's this, I've got so many questions, Bill. Um, the, the first thing, well, it's not really a question, just an observation about the nurse, like the, the, ser the service that she did you by not trying to deny your experience and to downplay it, it was almost like, yeah, I know where you've been, you're coming back now and this is how it is. So that that's pretty amazing. And as you say, that it kind of makes me wonder, like I have friends who are emergency ER nurses and whatnot, and I think there's a lot of things changing in hospitals, but it does make me wonder like how valuable training for those people and understanding that this is a real phenomena and this is a great way to handle it. Your example was perfect, I think. Yeah, I was super lucky. And and she was a she was an old timer, this gum chewing, no nonsense nurse. Mm. And and yeah, she put her hands on my shoulders and just listen to me. <laughs> You're back with us. Get over it. Yeah. And they tell a fireman that they it's like, okay, got it, man. She knew exactly what to say and how to say it. There's something you mentioned about the 24,000-year cycle. Now, I'm pretty sure I've read about this in the Book of Ra. I'm not sure where you've got it. And I don't understand much about it, but could you tell us more your understanding? You, it sounds like you've done loads of reading since you've had your NDA, but what, what's your understanding of that cycle? I did this thing with the ayahuasca, and I was going to the jungle for like three or four years, and then this um, thing opened, and I had all these amazing visions and when I was got back here just like you I had this thing where I need to go to this conference on procession and ancient knowledge and I just packed up and drove down to Newport and went to this conference I, I didn't know if I'd fit in or what and their whole thing is procession of the equinox it's a 24,000 year cycle and each of the astrological signs have a 2000 year period. And we just went into the age of Aquarius, I think, recently. And this is the, the when things are light is pouring back into the into the earth plane. And at 2012, so it's a continuous cycle and all these different People, the Mayans and the Hindus, they call them things like Bhaktanes or they call them Yugas. But for us, it's a there's a golden age and that's at the top. And for us, that would be like Egypt. That's the, the last of the golden age, Egypt and the um, Mesoamerica cultures. They were so far ahead. They had all these this knowledge of energy and free energy and anti-gravity and invisibility they knew it all 
but you go from a golden age and then it comes down through the dark ages and all these times of war and stuff and then it goes silver bronze and then it comes to an iron age and we just 2012 was the bottom and we turned the corner and you could i could watch the world just become all of a sudden in 2013 2014 there was all these kids that were showing up at this place pachamama they couldn't house them all hundreds of them and they said i just knew i had to come here uh, and, and it was right on schedule right after december 2012 and light is coming back into the world and we will t- slowly climb up to a bronze and a silver age and the next golden age and the cycle has gone on forever we have all these stories and all this confidence that we know what the history is uh, of this place and i don't think we do um i think civilizations have risen and fallen for eternity and this place is kind of a stage where what's really going on is as young souls we're learning how to become high quality souls so that we can move on and move out into the universe and do the work of the universe so this is kind of a we've all heard this it's a school where we have a school of hard knocks where we go through experiences and at some point we stop reacting to them with anger and resentment and shame and guilt all those things we just say i'm not doing that anymore and that that's when we start getting ready to graduate and we don't have to come back here this cycle of rebirth is broken and how's that is that helpful yeah, that's good. It's something that I, I also want to do some more research in, but I think it was very interesting to me. Um, did My next question is, did you bring any... Let me try that again. A lot of NDEs bring back... It's like something got cracked open in them and they have these new awarenesses, new abilities, new powers. Did you have anything like that? Yeah, I did. I If somebody had a low vibration intentions like a business deal or somebody was doing something not in the highest vibrational um, vibe. Mm. Serving themselves and not you. <laughs> That's Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If it was a, a self-serving, if it was a selfish vibe, it was really obvious to me. And, and I wasn't somebody who was judging it. It just, it's like, this is going to go poorly. It'll play out over the next few years, but this person's not up to uh, a high vibrational thing. And that's what this place is for. We come here to behave like that. And most of us are going to and until we don't. And then we start leaving. The other thing, I've, somebody, I've, this came up kind of accidentally in an interview, but um, a few years after that, after my NDE, I was running and biking and swimming a lot, but I was all of a sudden, I was counting in groups of four, like a musician, one and two and three and four and two. And it'd go on for hours and I really didn't understand it, but I bought some drums a few years later and my wife was really like, what what are you doing now? (laughs) And I said, I don't know. I think this is pretty easy. And I could, in a couple of months, I could play pretty much any song and 
she's like, I can't, this is, you haven't even had a lesson. You haven't even watched a video. I said, I don't know. It just, it all seems to fit. And what really fit was the structure of music and this whole thing with math, mathematics in our world, you know, it's music is fundamentally mathematics and it feels good to us when these things are all balanced in key and timing. And so I got into a couple different bands and this one group approached me and said, we want you. And I was like, you don't understand. I've been playing drums for just a few years and I'm just this guy in his forties and I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember this one guy I used to play with the Beach Boys and he toured with them and he said, look, whatever it is that a drummer needs, you have it. And we don't know why, but you know how to structure music, where the bridges are, where the tempo changes. You just, we don't get it either, but you have it. And we went really far, played the state fair and in the green room and my wife's looking at me going, how did you do this? I, I mean, I can trace it back to that because I did have it prior to the NDE. And I remember seeing all those formulas and stuff just powering in. And then it, it was gradual, but, and it was genuine. I wasn't, I was just letting it happen. And all of a sudden, all of this counting and all of this, you know, groups of four, you know, four beats to a measure, four measures to a bar. It's like a mathematical formula for me. That's how I could see it. And yeah, it's been great. We had a reunion here last year and we all played. Awesome. I don't know. How long was the band together for? Or how long did you play in a band? I played in bands about 12 years. And this, I have this thing, this Kundalini thing. And when that starts rising, you get, this is a really different, uh, big conversation. But to be around alcohol, like we play wineries and breweries and just drunken people yelling out songs and stuff like that. It, the whole thing with alcohol is something that diminishes our vibration. It's a central nervous system depressant mm. and our whole experience here in this earth realm is it's the central nervous system. It's the, our eyes and our ears and what we're feeling. That's what we're processing. You know, when, if you're drinking a lot, a uh, heavy drinker or whatever, your system's depressed all the time. And so the input is, it's always a low story, low vibration story. And I could really feel that. I could really feel when I was around uh, addicts and people who were, Alcohol was a big part of their day. Hmm. And I'd rather be around my dogs and the deer that live here and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Did you did you get to live on the island? Nope. <laughs> did not. Yeah, I, I took a fire job and then we moved. I think it, it was Sequoia and it was a, on an engine. It was a great summer, but... Nope, she didn't get her, she didn't get the island. And I really do wish I could go back and change that, because that would have been. This is a guy that's almost 70, but then I was 24. Mm. Um, 
and you want to sit on an island and stare out to sea. That wasn't my idea of an exciting time. Yeah. But now it is. <laughs> well, you look like you've still got at least another 20, 30 years, Bill. I reckon there's a good chance that your wife still might get a wish yet. Uh, All right. So the, the wispy guy, the, the Gandalf kind of guy, the whirlpool that you met, my first impression when you were telling me that story was that's you bill like that's your higher self there telling you you got to give back so it wasn't anybody else but you telling you what to do what do you think about that idea i think you i think you're spot on bro because he, he just loved me and he was i just entertained the hell out of him like a, like a kid like having a kid like having a toddler and i think we have thousands of lives here on the earth plane and there's this talk about time that it doesn't really exist so they're all occurring at the same time this gets into things we really can't process but yeah i'm one of uh, thousands like a, an army of experiencers for this higher version of me an evolving super being and we it's not just me we're all the same and we have all of us we have thousands of souls watching us all the time. That's just not an old guy making something up. But because as I move on, I, if I look in the blue sky, it looks like I'm looking at it under a microscope at like a drop of ocean water. It's just full of life forms darting here and there, orbs. And that's, we live in a highly energetic environment and we don't know it. Our senses are choked down to where we've got this really narrow range of what we can hear and see and, and experience. It is an amazing, unlimited. Yeah, the default setting is for a very narrow band, isn't it? And then yours has been expanded a little bit. So it sounds like you've got still a bit of one foot in, in a higher realm and then you've got the rest of you is here, but not the same as what it was before you left. Oh, no, it, it's that when the Kundalini energy moves most, I mean, a lot of people have this moving on them, but we're so disconnected from what we really are that we don't know how to encourage it or to work with it. And there's a whole story there, but I lucked out. I was at this place called Pachamama and I was going through this silent retreat and we had to write something every day to the spiritual guy that the chief of the village and I guess the things I was writing he came to me and he didn't talk to anybody we didn't speak but we'd meet every day in this giant meditation hall and then he would have things to say uh, and he singled me out and he said you need to familiarize yourself with kundalini and with pranic energy because the things you're writing to me this is obviously a, a kundalini rising and it's it's very powerful and it's on its way mm. and i i listened to him when i back, got back to the states i found this kundalini yoga instructor and i took a, eight months a year of going once a week and they go through the exercises and stuff but i figured out what it was i didn't have any idea i just thought well this is a cool sounding name and i realized by just paying attention and, and figuring out what she was trying to demonstrate for me or show me that this is a real thing. 
And you mentioned that I'm this kind of joyful, happy guy. And that's part of it, that that energy. We all have this drop of God energy, this drop of light in our the bottom of our spine. And when it wakes up, it, it takes years and it moves up the spine and it pushes all the energy, the dark energy that we accumulate, emotional drama. That's what the universe is. It's all emotions, feelings, and it clears out all of those things. And then there'll be a time when it reunites with divine and you have this light just come through you and it's really powerful. You absolutely realize something ridiculous is happening and and once that connection starts up then it's slowly it is opening up we talked about it earlier it's this energy is slowly moving through you and opening up your central nervous system so that you can receive more and develop more i guess but yeah i'm i'm getting pretty happy it's really obvious that it's at some point i'm going to be a little too happy and then they, they uh, this we have facilities in this country full of people who are misdiagnosed and mm. they, they really are having a, a spiritual awakening a kundalini awakening so in this country we had this the thing called the good humor truck and it was an ice cream company and so the joke was that uh, the good humor truck is going to come and take that fellow to the funny farm and all these references to this joyful presentation. And that's what's going on. And that goes back to when we first started talking. And I said that everyone I ran into on the other side was giggling or chuckling or, and I felt like I was, all my cells were being tickled and yeah, we don't have anything to worry about. The universe is a, awesome place it's got a sense of humor as well so i'd yeah. love to hear more about the kundalini thing but i know we're getting on with time so perhaps if you do come back for one of our live streams and you might want to talk about that because I, I would certainly like to learn more about that myself all right bill so tell us what you got going on if somebody wants to get in touch with you do you have any books or programs or anything like that you want to talk about well no i don't have the book i'm promising people that i will finish it I've got this overly joyful lifestyle and I got to get, I got to sit down and finish it. And there's another video that I guess that one video that Alan Chapman made was, I mean, he just did a phenomenal job mm. editing that. Yeah. And his, his production, I'm, as you can tell, I'm not that good of a speaker, but he, his editing just made it wonderful for people to hear these this crazy tale yeah i liked his i like the way he does things it's really good and you can tell he's been doing it for a long time there's a lot of mastery there all right cool so have you got anything final that you want to leave people with before we wrap it up yeah you and i talked about the actually you brought it up and i love that because i bring it up and i feel like i'm uh crossing a line or something but we talked about that there are messages in movies and the Matrix and Star Wars and that there's this Star Wars and Star Trek, that there's infinite life forms out there. If you can imagine it, it exists. I grew up 
in, in the 60s and 70s. And every year, we, they played this movie on Sunday night. It was called, once a year, it's called Wizard of Oz, The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about near-death experiences. And that movie is Dorothy. She goes in that farmhouse and it gets caught in that cyclone vortex and window comes off and hits her in the head and she peels away from her body it's a near-death experience and then she lands in a place and she goes from a black and white drab lifestyle into this incredibly uh beautiful environment with these giant flowers and colors everywhere and then she meets these little four foot high little giggling munchkins these people and they come at her in groups of three, the lollipop guys and the, the dancers and the politicians. They all come forward in groups of three and they're very playful. And, and then Glinda shows up and she comes in as this beautiful purple gold orb and she's this the good witch. And she sets her up, sends her on her way. And whenever Dorothy has a problem, Glinda's right there to help her out it's this higher self thing you and i talked about and dorothy meets scarecrow looking for a heart or looking for a brain and a tin man looking for a heart and and a cowardly lion looking for courage and so what i take from all that is we're here in this world and we get control of our thoughts get control of our brain and use that to live by the intelligence of the heart of sweetness and kindness and compassion and to move through this life and out of this life without fear with courage then we get to go home and that is absolutely what that story is about that's a great message right like that's going to make me look at that movie totally differently from now on my wife has watched it probably a hundred times she's obsessed by it excellent all right bill it's been it's been a blast thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for being thank you us. rod oh. thank you i was greatly honored